Welcome sentient beings from all known universes and beyond. It's time to activate your cranial downlinks and prepare to receive a raft of discussion on a cosmic ocean of science fiction and fantasy topics, interviews with local area genre devotees, and insightful prognostication by our soothsayers of science fiction, our forecasters of fantasy, and any other beings that happen to get caught in our gravity well. This is the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. Good evening, and welcome to the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. I am Count Numula. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'm Bill. <laughs> Numula. I'm Linda. I'm Charles. And I'm Chris. And I am Stu. And, uh, you know, uh, any episode where you see uh, Stu joining us, you know we're going to be talking about something to do with horror or... Well, horror, I guess. <laughs> Could be folklore. Or folklore. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And uh, so this episode is uh, no different. We're going to be talking about uh, Renfield uh, initially. And then uh, we're also going to jump in a little bit about uh, the new D&D movie. So um, I guess, Stu, welcome. Glad Thank to have you, you back on. So, uh, Stu, I'm going to let you take us through uh, the Renfield movie. Uh, kind of give us a, a brief summary, if you would, and then uh, we can weigh in on what we thought of it. Well, first of all, I know Linda and I and Stu have seen it. Has anyone else seen it yet? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. It's on the list, man. All right. All right. All right, Stu, take it away. Yes, yes. Well, I, the trailers do... A reasonable job pre preparing one for what one will see in the in, in the film. Um, if you're familiar with the Dracula mythos through various pop popular culture modes, um, you hopefully are familiar with the character Renfield. Um, this being a Universal production, it is one would say an almost direct descendant of the Lugosi film from 1931, directed by Todd Browning. Renfield is Dracula's servant who sees to his daylight needs. Um, ranges for victims, arranges for lodging, uh, does most of the things one would require of a personal assistant or slave. It being the year 2023, Renfield has availed himself of a self-help group and has identified himself as a codependent. With one exception, Stu, he does yes. not wash Dracula's cape. This is true. Yes, it's dry right. clean only. But he, he arranges. <laughs> yes. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Precisely. And so he is availing himself of a self help group and in an attempt to recover from this codependency. So it's a very much a mishmash of the traditional and the modern, if you will. And it's a something of an analogy for regaining one's agency yeah. through a destructive relationship. Yeah, I think Renfield and Dracula's uh, Renfield and Dracula define the quintessential toxic relationship. <laughs> yes, as as, port as as portrayed, certainly. Yeah, yeah. So, um, 
what'd you think of it overall, Stu? Was it what you were expecting? Um, it was it was a bit of a mish, it was a bit of a mishmash. Yeah. Uh, over overall, um, it it really tried to get in as modern film was wont to do because it wants to appeal to the broadest popular popular audience as it can. It tried to get in a lot. Um, there are a lot of hyperkinetic action scenes you know, that, that you'd be more um, used to seeing in a in a Marvel film, or superhero a, film, superhero, superhero combat. Film or, yeah, yeah, or or mm-hmm. or, 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 or <clears throat> super martial arts. Um, the, these are it's excellent fight choreography, although it's often played for laughs as well. You have some, you have people tearing off limbs and then using them as weapons. And <laughs> it was sort of uh, in my mind. I told Linda after we watched it, it was like um, Kill Bill only with Dracula. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. I, I was thinking the I was thinking the Matrix, but yeah, Kill Bill would be. So was the music that good then? Because if you're calling well, on Kill Bill, there's yeah, a certain music. Yeah, it should be. No, I was. Uh, Referencing it specifically from the overabundance of uh, blood, sort of a thing. So, <laughs> Fair enough. Know, okay. Heads taken off and fountains of blood shooting up, or torsos torn in half and blood oh, yeah. shooting everywhere, or they uh, Renfield will jump off of a railing and land on someone's head, and a fountain of blood will shoot up. And yeah. yes, yes. At, at at one point in the aftermath of the of a fight, Renfield just reaches out to someone on the second balcony of a of an apartment complex and allows, allows them to step out onto a pile of bodies that's piled up at least over a story high by the time he's done with them right so yeah it, it, it's there's there no kill like overkill as we <laughs> right um yeah as far as what i thought of the film well yeah, per, per, let's let, let's go into some some aspects of it first before we talk about the, about the overview um the character development is is interesting it has some interesting borrowings from uh, from the novel and the mythos, actually, that uh, may may go by folks who aren't as familiar with with um, other entries in the canon. Uh, the actors, the lead actress's name, the uh, she's actually is a traffic cop in the New Orleans police force who is, gets involved with some drug dealers that Renfield was trying to bring to Dracula. Dr- Dr- Renfield, at this point in his evolution, um, is trying to transition into sort of a Dexter. Yeah. figure where he's preying on the bad people and saying <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try to serve good in my serving in my in, in, um, in, my, in my slavery duty. to evil I'm yeah in, in my duties to dracula yeah I'll, I'll bring him the bad people who we want eliminated from the human race uh, <laughs> only problem is that uh Dra- that um dracula doesn't like that he wants pure of heart and by the way just as, as, a, as a side reference i don't know if we ever talked about the santa clarita diet in here but that's a Film, uh, show on Netflix from a few years ago yeah. with, with Drew, Drew Barrymore. That's, a, that's an excellent use of that trope too, by the way. It's, if I you've got to be a vampire... That. That's good. Yeah, if you got to be a vampire, that's the route you should the be taking. The blood of the pure. Yeah, un- unfortunately, Rent, uh, Dracula, he wants he wants nuns. <laughs> or, or a bus or a bus load of cheerleaders. Cheerleaders, yeah. <laughs> victims. And he said it's not a sexual thing with the cheerleaders. You know, he'll go for male or female cheerleaders. Uh, cheerleaders. He doesn't care. Yes, he wants <laughs> it's it's pure the blood. People. It's the pure blood that matters. Yes. Sounds like so, pep. Sounds like a lot of pep. <laughs> yeah. So in, in in the course of trying to bring these drug dealers to Dracula, Brentfield gets involved with them, of course, and and this uh traffic cop with much higher aspirations uh stops one of the well known mob leaders in New Orleans. Yeah, this, the, the film is set in New Orleans, by the way. It makes a little use of the of the background, not a, not excessive amount. 
and um, she ends up becoming incorporated into the story. She becomes, I would say, his putative love interest, his putative relationship. Um, the naming of the character is significant. Her father's name was Morris Quincy, which, if you read uh, the novel, if you read the novel, the um, one of the lead character, one of the vampire hunters, is named Quincy Morris, who's Patterned after Buffalo Bill in the novel, believe it or not. If you read the, if you ever read Dracula, you have these long stretches of someone speaking in a very affected Texas dialect. The... Which is a little surreal. Stoker was a little, little pedantic in his characterization at times. <laughs> um, but yet, but so you, you have that. And also, what, what I didn't realize, and as someone who's, who's taught the novel and has written on the novel, published articles on, on Dracula, um, I did not realize that it. Even in the novel itself, um, Renfield does have an epiphany, not unlike we see in, in, in the film, where he's, he figures, I'm not going to allow this to happen anymore. Dracula's killing innocents. You know, first he tries to send Mina away, and that, that, that's something that's, that, that we're more familiar with. But at mm -hmm. one point, he says, you know what? Everyone says I'm crazy. I'm a madman. Madmen have great strength. I'm going to tackle this guy. And so he, tried, he tries to grab onto Dracula, and he's going he's gonna to mess him up. And then he realizes that that's just not the way things work. Poor life choice. Yeah, and, 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 and Dracula. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a very, very uh, his last poor life choice. In fact, is Dracula just just uh, smashes his head against the against the, the ground, and that's the end of that's the end of Renfield. But yeah, it's a but they, but that's that's the novel, and in and in this film, you you're seeing Renfield really the um, the directors and writers of the film, um, and, and the, the director of this film, by the way. Perhaps not coincidentally, is best known for Robot Chicken. Oh. Uh, Linda, what, 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 what is this fellow's name? Matthew Steinrich. Who's the Who's the director of the film? Linda, do you have that up? I, I thought maybe you had it off the top of your head. I don't. I don't have top of my head. I wish I did. Because uh, which film? Renfield. Yeah. Oh, director Chris McKay. Okay. Yes. Oh, that's Sorry. right. Yeah, I should have remembered that. And then yes. Chicken, primarily like Matt Seinrich and Seth Greens. Mm -hmm. They had a lot of really good writers on that, though. Oh yes, yes. So yeah, you, so yeah, it, it was, it's definitely played for the for the broad humor, and you could say that the film is really an extrapolation on this conflict of Renfield to say I'm going to get my, back my self determination. Um, now, what all this said probably the most hyped up in, uh, aspect of the film in the media, and rightfully so, is the impeccable casting of one Nicolas Cage. Oh, yeah. He was good. Over-actor. Yeah. Uh, Linda and I were, were talking about this prior to, the, uh, prior to go time, that I think there, there's a choice. You know, do you try to have him play like a straight Lugosi-type vampire with all that type of brooding menace, or do you just say... Nick, we all know who you are, and we all know what you've been up to the last thirty years since you're since you won your Oscar. Dude, just go with it. Yeah, and they 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 chose option B, Nicholas Cage. It's, it is Nicholas Cage at his Nicholas Cage. Unleashed. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, yeah. He's absolutely, absolutely, completely over the top. Um, has an ama amazing amount of fun with the role. Uh, there's a rumor that he had his own teeth altered to be able to fit in the into the um, vampire dentures better. Huh. Oh, oh. Those were some funky teeth. That. That's uh so yeah, yeah, he 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 just 
for completely flipping loses it during during this. He's uh, the whole uh, show, really. <laughs> <laughs> He's he is the main reason you want to go for to it. I mean, I've I have my that's actually thing good to hear. Pardon me. Yeah. That's actually good to hear that he's a reason you would go to see it. It speaks to, yeah. you know, what his on-screen performance must have been like. It right. was oh, yes. amazing. I, you know, in, in watching it at the end of it, um, I would have liked to see it um, with him in that role in doing it seriously, uh, because the makeup I thought was great. Uh, his, his acting was great, but I would have liked to have seen it as an actual. Bella Lugosi style mm, horror okay. film versus a comedy. I'm not I sure. Thought, he could, oh, he could probably pull it off. <clears throat> yeah, I thought. I thought he was when he was angry. I mean, there were certain points he was just terrifying, and um, so I would have liked to have seen it just go that route. But uh, that's it, and that's a possibility. I, I I I hear that. Uh, what I if I was going to prognosticate anything come off this film we will almost certainly see a prequel with him play, playing dracula in his, <laughs> in his prime at some point because that, well that, that's part of the that's really part of the mythology is that sure. between these the um browning film from 1931 mm -hmm. and now dracula and renfield have had these these adventures through and and the the, the ending uh, actually does leave it open because they they do the most thorough vampire destruction I've ever seen in a film. <laughs> movie. Um, but even then, um, Renfield, bless his heart, says that I'm sure I'm still not sure this is going to do it, but it'll, it will at least slow him down for a while. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean uh, to to uh, flesh out a little bit there, so to speak, of what Stu is referencing. They they. They said there's so many different mythologies about how you take out a vampire. They said the only safe way is to do them all. Yeah. <laughs> so they did, culminating in the final the final act where they had like little bits of Dracula. They had chopped him up so fine they had little bits of him that they put him into an ice cube tray and then they filled the ice cube tray with cement and <laughs> let it dry and then they broke the bricks out and threw them in the sewer oh my gosh <laughs> ridiculous yes yes, yes. You, you, speaking as, as a folklorist by the way which is ostensibly my real avocation um the way you really want to get rid of a vampire the way it always seems to work is is cremation oh. but in the yeah. in the most dramatic folktale i know about about vampires then you have to be careful because if you cremate the vampire then uh magpies will fly out fly out of it snakes will come slithering out of the, the, the fire <laughs> All kinds of stuff, and you've got to grab them all and bat them back into that fire, or else if one little crawly creature gets out. <laughs> yeah, but in, in all fairness to the folklore stuff, Stu, back yes, in the folklore days, they didn't have ice cube trays and cement. <laughs> I, I I think the Romans did actually. Ice cube trays. Have cement. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man. So no. um. If you want to talk about how what I actually thought of the film, um, yeah, and if I'd recommend it, I mean, I, I'd, I'd recommend it for fun, certainly. And yeah, yeah. And, and I'll, I'll, I'm just gonna, my, my little aside is really that if the academy, if Hollywood politics were a little bit different than they are, C Cage would really be in running for, for best supporting actor, not yep. I mean, he just went, he just let it rip. There's, yeah. I, you've, you've never seen anything like this. He's, yeah, he nailed it. Oh, yeah, absolutely, 100%. absolutely. Um, 
what, what I'm going to say though is that the film is um I mean because it's it, it's a comedy it's trying to be funny you know this is a very much in the robot chicken over the top um <laughs> milieu but it is it is kind of subverting its own message um and and, and it's maybe stretching mythology a little, a little far because you have this idea really well, I think what they're trying to drive home is that even someone like Renfield you can take back your power yeah. from someone who's been nasty to you but the people in his support group um the experiences they're going through they're also they're really played for laughs um they're they're to, to the point that they are laughable um and you really and it it almost comes up it, it's almost somewhat disempowering to someone who's watching it for for, for that message it's like, yeah. like dude if, if you if you really think you can do anything with this group it's laughable it's it's it, it's it's something of a joke so it's there's there, there's a bit of a mixed message there um it takes a lot to pull that off not not everyone not everyone can so it's a good movie it's a fun movie it's probably a little better um under the influence of cannabis <laughs> <laughs> are you gonna test that theory <laughs> he already did <laughs> oh. i could say this, i could say the same for the last film i was on here for but yeah cocaine bear would definitely fall under that that heading as well by the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is which is and, and excellent. That's the, the 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 greatest feminist film of the last twenty years. But when, no. what, what I'm looking forward to, uh, though, in, in in this chain, up upcoming in August, there's a what is, appears to be a a more serious take on Dracula coming out called Last Voyage of the Demeter, which is oh yeah, really, yeah. that yeah yeah, and it's it's really it's the same concept really where you take just a very small sliver of Stoker, and there are so many micro stories in. In, in the novel, you, that you can do this as a filmmaker or someone who's using other kind of in, intertextuality to, to build on the story. And it's just taking this portion of a chapter about Dracula's sea voyage from Transylvania to London. And the and how he, you know, in, in the novel, by the end of the of the of the of the, of the, of the voyage, he's killed everyone on, on board. Mm -hmm. right. And then they then they have these incredibly creepy stories about this 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 uh, phantom was stalking everyone on the ship, and so yeah, someone's taken this and they've made they're made, they've made a whole film about it, and and that that mm. looks exciting. Mm. Yeah, that, that's feel... not a definitely not a comedy. That looks pretty horrifying. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so so far though, you though, you never know, honest to goodness. And then and, and upcoming, I don't know if it's going to be out this year, this year yet, or this might even be in 2024, is a remake of Nosferatu from. Uh -huh. uh, from, from from Bill Eggers, who did The Witch, which is excellent, and who did the yeah. uh, the Lighthouse, which I understand is excellent, which I haven't seen. Um, yeah, if that guy doing Nosferatu, it's gonna be creepy as fuck. Yeah, the Lighthouse <laughs> was the White House. The Lighthouse was amazing. Yeah, yeah, and, it was and, intense. And starring Bill, starring Bill Sarsgaard, who is a oh, you know, I who, love who him. is a, a copyright art actor. He's a fantastic yeah. guy. Wait. Uh, the Lighthouse. I'm thinking of the one with Robert Pattinson. No, he's talking about the new movie coming out with Skarsgård. Oh, oh, okay. As, as yeah. Nosferatu. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah Skarsgård is is, is is good. I think yeah, I believe he's playing he's playing or yeah he's playing Orlock. Um, with, with Willem Dafoe, who who actually played the guy who played Or Orlock in a in a film Shadow of the Vampire uh, twenty some years ago. Uh, he's in there playing essentially the Van Helsing character. Um, but yeah, so that that's another film that's um, that's upcoming, and yeah, so so in in a nutshell, really, um, 
I think Universal has effect, you know, with the failure of the Mummy, with the lack of success of Dracula Untold. Um, their remake of the of the Wolfman is one of the worst films I've ever seen. I hated that movie. Huh. Um, nah. I think they've largely abandoned the straight idea of the dark universe to go the, in the Marvel milieu, but I think they have seen that they have a lot of material to work with with their old films in terms of remakes or, in the case of Renfield and and the upcoming uh, Last Voyage of the Meter, it, of dissections of of, of, their, of their old films. I think so. That's that's really the um the uh the uh the, the way they're the way they're going really and, and, and perhaps it's not a bad way perhaps we'll see some very good stuff out of this all right sounds good well um i think we should uh move on real quick and switch over to uh the dungeons and dragons movie and uh jenna i know you had some theories on that and you wanted to jump into that so i'll let you take it away here oh jump into the theories without talking about the movie itself first which uh i think to say unlike the previous dungeons and dragons done what in the 90s yeah mm -hmm. uh this one seemed to have a lot more love and nuance of the game itself right um i did this because the little details on either the different types of people and the different types of role and races it's, it's pretty well executed well, and it's so much uh, the what they can do with the uh, special effects with the creatures and stuff now is so much better than it was in the '90s. That mm -hmm. you know that owl bear was amazing, and uh, <laughs> just uh, just the whole show. I, I thought the whole show was great. The acting was great. The storyline was great, and uh, I want to see more. I, I hope they come back and do uh, some more of these. Uh, Chris, do you want to lay out the summary of what this movie is about? Yeah, so um, Chris Pine is kind of one of the, the leads in this, as well as uh, um, his uh, uh, partner, actress, I uh, just blanked on her name, but she plays Olga. Yes, thank you. And um, it, it's pretty interesting. So it starts out with basically a prison break that goes more or less horribly wrong, uh, but works out in their favor anyways. <laughs> Even though um, they were about to be pardoned uh, and let <laughs> right. out, anyways, they took the hard way out. And um, you know, it's a story of betrayal um, and um, you know a quest to get a. Uh, I don't know if I call it an amulet, but maybe it, maybe it was an amulet. Um, it was a tablet. A tablet with a certain spell on it to bring uh, a lost loved one back or whoever you want back to life. So. Uh, Chris Pine's uh, wife is taken from him in this and uh, his daughter ends up losing his daughter going to prison for a few years. And uh, his daughter is raised by who he thought was a friend who turns out to be um, pretty much a, well, what he is a con man <laughs> uh, <laughs> who, who takes over a city basically and, and warps lies into his daughter's mind and, Chris Pine kind of goes on this quest to, to get her back and and get this uh, this tablet so he can bring his wife back and and during this movie it's an adventure on how they go about accomplishing all those things uh, in the world of Dungeons and Dragons and they did a phenomenal job uh, in doing it between um, the fight scenes and the action that they have the magic that's portrayed. Um, and it was a movie that didn't really slow down really at any point. It just kept going and it, and it kept a lot of humor mixed in as well. 
So here you have, you know, a party of uh, um, a bard. Uh, let me see if I can get the appropriate things for all of them. We have a bard, a mage, um, a, a rogue, uh, a rogue and, a and a druid. And uh, they all play kind of true to their parts in this movie, and it made it very much enjoyable. Um, Bill was mentioning earlier an owlbear um, that the druid changes into, and that was one of the most fantastic parts of the film. It was pretty freaking awesome. Um, but then we also have a bard, um, you know, who does his part, if anything, just for distractions, um, jumps in and does his little playing of things. Um, but then there's also the, the the parts where you know there's a scene where um, earlier on in the film where you know one of the characters has a kind of uh, distressing relationship that she goes back home to, um, and uh, you know when they go to leave and continue their journey, um, he strikes up a tune on his guitar as they're riding away and just kind of gives an uplifting tune to start singing to, and they they write on you know doing the part of the bard and lifting spirits. Um, yeah. So every little bit of detail is kind of covered in, in the movie um, all the way down to paladins who act a little bit goofy and, and Jenna can talk to that. Um, and we even get a, a, to fight a dragon who probably ate the other dragons that were around. We'll talk about the fat <laughs> dragon too, because that was actually pretty <laughs> awesome. Uh, so yeah, there's a little bit of everything in the film uh, and uh, you get to go on this quest, mystical swords, all of it. Uh, it was pretty great. So all right. Jenna? So what I really liked about this is all of the characters had their pros and cons and what they can do. Mm -hmm. Nobody's a perfectly built character. Um, and you kind of see this with Holga, uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character, that she's a badass fighter, but she's not really emotionally, like, yep. over, you know, like, she, she's not just this, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Um, and then you meet this paladin character who you think is going to stay with the party until the end, but he doesn't. And he can do everything. He's yes. got like knowledge arcana. He's got badass uh, fighting moves, self-defense, acrobatics. Like he can do all this stuff, but his personality is so flat. I'm like, okay. So I see where he spent all his character sheet points because there's no, there's no charm or diplomacy in that whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, so when they get to this paladin, uh, you know, Jenna's, Jenna's not exaggerating here. The guy was damn near perfect at anything he needed to do in his abilities, right? Even when, so there's a scene where, where the, uh, party is, uh, having to take on a dragon, and it's a fat dragon with his own drawbacks, too. It's not a perfect dragon. Like Jenna said, nobody's perfect, not even the dragon. Um, and when they're fighting, you know, they're, they're uh, you know, there's a scene where the paladin comes up to save the day and does this heroic like jump up and and stabs the stabs the dragon and it's just like, yeah, he would do that. He's just Mister Perfect and and everything. <laughs> but then after that, it's just like you can't carry a conversation with him. He's he's very literal. He's very you know succinct in his conversations and then that's it there's no there's no personality to him uh really whatsoever uh but that also kind of was the charm if you will um <laughs> so it, it made it made that part work and i think you know the scene where he just kind of walks off and goes back like i've done my my duty here 
you know, mission accomplished. I'm going to go back to do my thing. And he just walks off in a straight line. And the characters are just looking at him like, is he is he going to go around the rock? Or is he going <laughs> to stop going this way? What's he gonna do? And he just, just jumps up and goes straight over the rock and just keeps on walking. And it's like, yeah, that was, you know, the guy's okay. got a single focus. And that's what he's doing. And, and that's what he does. But I, I don't think it should have been done any other way. There was no reason yeah. To, yeah. to also keep him. It would have been nice to see him because it definitely would have made their journey a lot easier having him yeah. at, at their side right. but, but at that's the same not- time yeah that's not his calling right he's like oh you need assistance and it's my duty to assist you in this in this one part i can help with and then i'm off to do my thing and that's exactly how it went right so yeah it was good so um you guys two thumbs up everybody for uh D movie or yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think so. If you want action, you want you want it's not you can't it's nowhere near what the old one was. So just discard all of that. Right. Uh, it was uh it was definitely effort made um to respect what Dungeons and Dragons was and you even have Chris Pine speaking out to that after the fact um encouraging saying people should play Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and and because you can have just as much fun, Bill can attest to it, and a lot of us can uh, playing the yeah. game as much as you can, watching uh, others portray characters in the game. Right. Yes. Right. I I have a question to the D and D players because I haven't seen the film, but I have a question to the D and D players in the group who I think is, I think is just about everybody except for Charlie. Um, well, wait, not I, these days. I haven't been. I've played D and D though. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I had a <laughs> You talk about the, the, the personality of, of the paladin. Uh, just in looking at that character class, you know, over my involvement with it with the game for, for 40 years, mm-hmm. um, that's sort of the way they come off in the rules. Is this yeah. is a guy who's yeah. a, among the fight is probably right. the most powerful of all, of all the uh, melee classes, but has just but the the rule the alignment set that he's that they are kind of locked into. Yep, uh, is you know somewhat cuts off your ability to do interesting things, which, which in itself becomes interesting. Right. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's, it's kind of like writing Superman because he's, he's not going to be dark and edgy and broody, but then that challenges you to make other kinds of other kinds of stories. Yeah. Ha, has that been your experience with, with the Paladin as well? Or do other, do other parties get a little wilder with the Paladin? <laughs> uh, no, that uh, go ahead, Jenna. <laughs> I was going to say, Chris's wife plays a Paladin and she, uh, she definitely has personality in it. She <laughs> and, has a limitation. Yeah. But she plays the personality. And yeah, Chris, it's all in the. Oh, go, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, Chris and Linda, uh, how would you rate uh, Belvalor as a paladin in the game we're playing? <laughs> I'm not. Uh, pretty, pretty <laughs> close to that, I would say. Belvalor is very much, uh, hmm, you know, single-minded. <laughs> yeah. Of a certain purpose, and right. Bovalor would just leave you if it didn't align with what he was trying to do. Yeah, at the time. that's true. Um, right. So he is extremely helpful, uh, so long as he's aligned to whatever it is that you're doing, and, and that he can provide some service to. And as long as he doesn't get fold. dirty or messes, yeah. Up if he hair. doesn't get dirty or, or messes, up, you know, he's not into the dirty, dirty work, but he'll do it. <laughs> you know, um, right, right. So yeah, no, I, I think Stu, that, that that's a that's a great question. I think. Yeah, they 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 did it by the book on the paladin, and I think again they they, they spoke to all 
all ranges of things that are kind of covered in, in D and D, and to the point where they poke fun at a bard, like, "What good are you?" You know, I, I make the plans. I, I I decide plan A and plan B and plan C and and D, which is to go back to B. You know, like right. And 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 the and the woman in that uh, says, "So you make plans that fail." Yeah. 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 So then they poke at that. So, but I mean, they everything down everything down to even the mage that 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 uh, um, you know he's he's a he's a magician that that errs on the side of tricks a little bit, and as he grows in the film, um, you know, is given a a, a helm that gives some uh, additional enhancement to some powers, and he struggles in controlling it, and uh, a lot of it came down to self confidence and, and things like that. But I, you know, I took it as like, man, this guy couldn't roll an 18 uh, or plus on a die if he tried. You know, it's like he's basically rolling like ones and twos the whole yeah. time he's trying to master um, this thing and attune to it. Um, yeah. And they, they even talk about that. You know, hey, I can't just pick up a magical item and use it. I have to attune to it, you know. And then he proceeds <laughs> right. to fail over the next couple of days and try to do so. Um, so there's every aspect was covered and i think they did it in a tactful manner and they introduced humor where it made sense uh they had a lot of different creatures and and things like that as well um thrown in from the dungeons and dragons universe especially when they end up in the arena and they're in this little uh maze trap that they're in uh i thought that was a pretty cool scene in how they did it and how they found a way to get out of that situation um was all very cool and um uh you know, I think even uh, there was a scene that made me think of Vox Machina, which was uh, when uh, the mage conjures up the hand made out of, uh, was it just dirt? I'm trying to think of what, what he made it out of. But it made me think of the bard in Vox Machina yeah. when he bard would summon like this virtual mystical hand or whatever that would do things. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. It was, it was cool all around. I enjoyed it. All right. Two thumbs up for sure. Nice. Jenna, same rating, two thumbs up. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it's a lot of fun. And when Adelina is age appropriate, I look forward to like showing this to her because this is definitely one of those movies that builds a great world that you just want to be in that um, other series like Willow, like not the series, but the movie Willow yeah, um, kind of did. It, it creates the place you want to go back to. And I think she'll really enjoy it or anybody um, old or young will enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Linda, what'd you think? Um, I liked it. It was, uh, I just think it was, it was the perfect story and the characters were, they played whatever they were supposed to play. Well, it was, I liked it. I really liked it a lot. Nice. And Charles, you hadn't seen it, right? No, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't get to see it. Yeah. And Stu, you haven't seen it. I have not. I'm sorry. All right. Well, I, actually, I had I had a little promise going to the the kids. Uh, I was going to go see it. You should take the kids to see it. They'd love it. They vetoed. What? What? Oh. The 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 playground right now is not. Um, their friends are not uh, being supportive of D and D. So, huh. oh, we're going to get head. there. But <laughs> sounds like they need. That, Sounds like a surprise movie outing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah we 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 forget sometimes what it's like to be that age. I mean, because I I have friends who who actively play Dungeons and Dragons. I have friends who've never heard of who've never heard of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we have different people that we do different things with, and when you're sure. that young, 
<laughs> so we'll, we'll I, I get there. What I want. <laughs> I don't doubt that for a minute, Jenna. <laughs> All right. Well, sounds good. Well, let us know if you saw the movie, what you thought of it. Um, if not, let us know if you're going to go see it or if uh, you're interested in seeing it now because of uh, what you've heard on the show. So we'll look forward to hearing from you guys. Uh, until then, have a great week. We will see Hold you. Uh, oh, oh yeah. Let's wrap this up with um, talking yeah. about oh, yeah. oh, yeah. I don't want to talk about it. Makes me sad. <laughs> so for those local to Omaha, um, uh, unfortunately, the uh, Monster Club, uh, the themed kind of restaurant that kind of covered a lot of uh, cult classics and, in, in, uh, as it says here, you know, horror and sci-fi and all that, uh, closed down, unfortunately. So, um, and that was fairly recent in the last month or two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's We did a it's show on them before. We were actually yeah. going to do a show from there. But we, mm -hmm. they were never able to give us authorization to do so. So, maybe and that's, that's why they failed. Point. If we'd have only, yeah, if we had only been able to, to record right. there and they let people know how great it was today, and yeah. they had great, they drink. had really good food. Yeah. It was always themed crowded. drinks. It was all good. Yep. yep. So unfortunate yeah. they couldn't keep their doors open. So no reason why. Yeah, that that was the place when uh, when I saw the sign on the door because that used to be the Destiny Cafe back in the day. I used to go there to see. Preston Love play jazz. You know, oh, and for those there. of you who are well, and now it's going to be a, um, a long time since his since his death. But he was the Omaha jazz legend, you know, for most of my early life. Oh. And so that, that was his last regular gig was in, was in the Destiny Cafe. In fact, I I proposed to my ex wife there. Well, I, actually, Preston did the, did the proposing for me. Oh, oh wow! <laughs> so yeah, so, so that 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 area you know, had a lot of memories for me. And so when I saw that. Oh my God! They're putting a monster-themed bar and grill into the space. Perfect, my God! Right? If it was anything ever meant for stew. I thought it was a <laughs> pub for a while, wasn't it a pub? Yeah, it, it was. It was an Irish pub in in the middle. It was O'Connor's Irish pub, mm -hmm. and then they, yeah, that that little landing where you would have where um, where where where, uh, where 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 you would sit that would look down on the stage where the musicians played. You know, way back uh... in the day, and then and then when Preston had the gig, that was that was upstairs where the. Um, where, where, where the vinyl lounge was, where the Jurassic Plus vinyl lounge oh. was, so you, you could still see the stage there. That was still the the raised area, oh. which was really remarkable. Um, as far as the, I know a little bit of the, the behind the details. My my impression really is because it was doing, it survived COVID. Yeah, I think they're actually doing a, a pretty brisk business. Yeah, it was always yeah. crowded. Yeah, and and in fact, I've I've seen now the what the bids are for the stuff that they're selling off, and they're really, if you're looking to get some bargains on some pint glasses you can forget it because they're 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 going for premium prices right now people are paying a lot of money wow. for, the, for the monster club stuff i think I what know. happened was and it's I, I realize that llc's are set up to try to prevent this sort of thing but i think they there were some other business ventures the, that the owners were involved with mm. and this i think i this this thing got attached to that bankruptcy and i think that might have that wow. might have pulled them in Oops. So, that well, sucks unfortunate it, mm -hmm. it it does suck. It does seem that anytime that anything cool gets going in this town, it immediately is yeah, is blown away. I don't know. I, I haven't been. I that being said, I haven't been to the tiki bar yet. Oh, we it's, like that. That's a nice oh, place. The Lacalona. Lacalona. Yeah, Lacalona Rum Club. That yeah, place like is that. awesome. Yeah. 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 The monster, especially when it first opened, the monster club was all classic stuff. As it progressed, it got more into Pennywise and more contemporary horror, but. In the early early days, it was mostly the old Universal stuff. That's classic. Yeah, that, that's that's really my heart song. So I, 
I, I wrote papers in there. I sat there and, and read Carmela and read Dracula and, and drafted uh, some book chapters and whatnot. But mm-hmm. well, it, it was it got, got a little expensive. And yeah. and speaking of the food, you know, the food could be could be inconsistent. Ah, um, they they were they were really they reinvented themselves a lot, mm-hmm. and it it really maybe could have have benefited from. Um, at, when, I remember when Gordon Ramsay comes in to do Kitchen Rescue, do Kitchen. <laughs> Uh, the, the, well, the, I could the, see the him one, in this place. Yeah, oh, God. Well, it, it, especially the the UK version where he was much more cordial. He's less there's less bombast. Mm-hmm. What he always does, I mean, eighty percent of the time when a restaurant is failing, he he, he says, "Okay, you're almost always trying to do too much. Yeah, narrow it down. Mm-hmm. Something, find what you do well, and focus on that, and then yeah. that, mm-hmm. that, that's going to carry you." And they were trying to do. Like every every item on the menu had some kind of a twist, and I was like, "Can you just make a goddamn hamburger?" Right. <laughs> yeah, just call it right. burger. Yeah, What's that, Jenna? As it either way, they'll still be sorely missed because we needed yeah. a venue like that in this town. We did. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm 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 absolutely, I was absolutely heartbroken to see him close. I was like, "Son yeah. of a yeah." If there's any. Any entrepreneurs out there that want to open up a monster <laughs> club, you've got at least six guys, six folks that'll be out there opening day. So, yep. yeah. All right. Well, I, 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 I don't, I really don't think it, it, it closed because of last lack of support. I think it was really more right. the other business ventures these guys yep. were involved. Okay. Yep. All right. That's, that's, that's real life. Yep. Sounds good. Well, thank you all for watching. We will catch you next time. Until then, take care. Have a great week. And uh, we'll see you on the next show. Thanks, Stu. Appreciate it. Yes, see you all. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit our website at galacticdriftwood.space or subscribe to us on YouTube. And now, please deactivate your cranial downlinks, collect your towels, and be sure to watch your step as you exit our gravity well.